So Sunday morning, we focused on loneliness, the burden of loneliness. How do you overcome loneliness? And we talked about how sometimes loneliness is social. And so the answer is we have to risk making some social commitments. But sometimes loneliness is for lack of meaning. We talked about the prophet Jeremiah and how he was rejected and lonely in that way, but also he had to feel lonely because um, he felt like people weren't listening to him. In fact, they weren't listening to him. And at one point, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 10, he says, Woe is me, my mother, that you gave birth to me, a man who incites dispute and conflict in all the land, I did not lend or borrow, yet everyone curses me. Jeremiah says, all I, I do is incite disputing and conflict. Everybody's cursing me. Woe is me, and woe is the mom who gave me birth. I mean, you have to be pretty low if you're saying, Mom, it must stink to be you, kind of thing, because you gave me birth. But he's feeling lonely because he's wondering, you know, does his life matter at all? There is a loneliness that comes, if you think, if I were to die tomorrow, would anybody miss me? Am I making any difference with my life? Emily Smith, in an article uh, from The Hill, wrote, the problem of loneliness is not simply a social one, it is an existential one. By the way, as a side note, I think that's one of the favorite words of people today. You just you never heard that word 25 years ago, but every way, you know, existential this, every, anyway, existential one. But I think this, she's right. It's, it's, it, it is an existential one. There is a direct connection between how alone people feel and how meaningful they judge their lives to be. So if you feel lonely, one of the questions to ask yourself is, are you... Are, does your life matter? What about your life matters? What makes your life matter? 1938, the Saturday Evening Post ran a poem about apathy. It was a poem blasting that generation for being a group of young people that were frittering their lives away. They were just so wrapped up in selfish interests and indulgences, they weren't really committing themselves to things that matter. The poem was simple. Some men die by shrapnel, some go down in flames, but most men perish inch by inch playing little games. And the point of the poem is, life is not a game. Life is not to be played as though it's a game. It matters too much. You matter too much. But if you don't live your life like it matters, if you're just frittering your days away, your life is gonna feel meaning and empty. I think it's one of the reasons why Jim Carrey said, in a quote that's been re-quoted a gazillion times, he said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. In other words, Jim Carrey was a lot like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, who spent his life experiencing everything 
most people would dream would make life meaningful. And at the end, he said, it was meaningless. It's nothing. It's empty. Life is not a game. You want to overcome loneliness? Then live for meaning. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Jesus says, come to me. I will be your good shepherd. Hear my voice and follow. Seek my calling for your life. Follow my vision for your life. You be the light of the world. You be the salt of the earth. And your life will have meaning. But it takes a commitment. You, you want to have meaning in life? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I get inspired every time I read that passage. I don't just have work. You don't just have work to do in life. You have work to do that God made you for. And before the foundations of the world, God prepared ahead of time for this work and for you to intersect. So you don't have to go through life saying, man, I wonder what's going to give my life meaning. Man, I have to discover my own meaning. I have to create my own meaning. No. All you have to do is make Jesus Christ your Savior Make him your good shepherd and you follow his voice and you commit yourself to do what he's calling you to do. I've been reading a book recently about the Morris family, a missionary family, in, primarily in Burma. And as I read their life story, I just think how difficult it was and yet how filled with purpose. In 1921, the Morris family moved to do mission work in Tibet. Um, there are some pictures for you to look at. Um, after a while, he was imprisoned by the communist Chinese in 1951 because of sharing Jesus. That wasn't easy. But after World War II, they took their family and they settled in Burma, where they served there for years and until the communists took over there and kicked them out there as well. Today, though, there is a thriving mission in Burma that was started by the Morrises. You know what is really rewarding for me, and I bet it's really rewarding for them? That mission continues to be run by the Morrises' grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They've left a legacy of serving Christ above all to their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. Kind of interesting, after World War, uh, in World War I, um, World War II, I mean, the Morrises were actually um, living in the mountains there um, between Burma and China. And the Allied planes, it was called the, the hump. It was called the roof of the world. And Allied planes were flying over to supply the Chinese against the invading Japanese armies, but often they couldn't make it over the hump. And not only was there danger of survival if they were able to escape and kind of get uh, onto the ground, you know, but the, the other, once they got on the ground, the, the area was, in, was, was, was filled with cannibals, with a cannibal tribe. Here's the good news. Uh, the U.S. government knew the Morrises were working amongst those tribes, 
had made friends with those tribes and were working in that area leading people to Christ. So the Army Air Force organized, the, uh, um, commissioned the Morrises to organize a rescue network for their pilots. The Air Force lost 2,000 planes over that hump. But as missionaries, the Morrises were able to rescue them and to rescue them from the cannibalistic tribes as they were doing the work for the church. And in the late 1980s, the United States government gave them a civilian bronze star for their efforts in the war. What an exciting life the Morrises had. What a meaningful life. Now, maybe God's not calling you. He's probably not calling you to be a missionary in the Himalayas or in Burma. But he is calling you to the work he's made you for. What he has designed in advance for you to do. So here's the question. Will you take the risk? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weak and burdened. I'll give you rest. Jesus says, I have made you for great purpose. If you're wrestling with loneliness, come to Christ for meaning. Live every day for him. Seek his way and your life will be filled with meaning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you have work for all of us to do for your glory. And I pray that each of us would obey you and take that next step with you today. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. I pray that you'll find a meaningful life. Just imagine if everybody at New Life could be focused on, Jesus, what's your meaning in my life this week, this month, this year? How different the world would be. Have a great day and keep praying.